Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we can celebrate this resurrection morning and the truth and the hope that you have brought, not just to our lives individually, but to your whole world because you died and rose again. Lord, we thank you for the salvation, the forgiveness, and the hope that you give us. Help us to live that out, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. It was so nice out yesterday. We spent a good chunk of the day outside. Uh, Rowan just wants to be out constantly until bugs appear. Then he's like, there was bugs, 199 of them. I said, okay, we'll, we'll do our best out there. But each year, it's such a good reminder of, of the passing of winter, the passing of things that are dead being brought back to life, um, you know, the buds coming out, sort of the warm air bringing things out back to life. And as the women are approaching the tomb, it's like they're still in the winter night of Good Friday, right? They're not yet realizing that springtime and resurrection has dawned. They're not yet realizing that the life-giving presence of God is no longer back in the temple or, or even buried and dead in the tomb, but it's broken out across the world and God's healing grace has come. Uh, and Jesus has inaugurated a new kingdom through his resurrection. The angel shows them the tomb and then sends them back to the disciples. And I'm, I'm sure I mention it every, week, every year, but I just love that the women are, are, in a sense, the first apostles to the apostles. They're the ones that Jesus entrusts to send the message back to the disciples. I think it's great. But I noticed for the first time this year uh, the emphasis on fear and joy. If you have a Bible in front of you, look at how this plays out. In verse 4... The angel appears, and for fear of him, the guards tremble, right? So they're afraid. And then in verse 5, the angel tells the women, don't be afraid. And then in verse 8, after they've seen the tomb, the women run with fear and great joy, but with fear, to tell the disciples. And then when Jesus meets them, what are, what are kind of his first words after saying hi? I love that he just says greetings. <laughs> but the first thing he says in verse 10 is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think it's interesting sometimes we don't we just don't know how to respond to something and so naturally you just kind of respond with fear right you just don't know what we don't really know what to how to respond or what kind of language to use even though this is the best news in the world and they have joy there's still a fear there's kind of an uncertainty of just not knowing like what on earth is happening here right jesus being once dead and now alive doesn't fit the categories that they have they have no language to express this. And, of course, that's partly the point, is no one's actually expecting this to happen. It, it floors everybody. You wouldn't make this story up, right? You wouldn't have the women, if you were making this up, of course, be the ones to rely the story of the empty tomb, because in the first century they're considered unreliable witnesses. So you wouldn't plant them, if you were writing this, to make it up as the first witnesses to the resurrection. Of course, you'd send Peter or someone. They don't know what to believe. And then Jesus himself appears. And I like how this plays out in Matthew's gospel. It's like even as, even as the women are obeying and they're heading out on the mission to tell, tell Jesus' disciples what's happened, they, they have a mixture of emotions and uncertainty. I think that's helpful for us because sometimes we're seeking to live the Christian life and maybe we don't feel we've got the right right sort of frame of mind or the right state in our own heart to live that well. Sometimes we have a mixture of uncertainty in our own hearts, even as we're trying to be obedient. 
And in the middle of all of that, not knowing what exactly is going on in their world, not knowing what exactly how to feel about it, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the middle of their own uncertainty, in the middle of their own attempts to try to be obedient. And I wonder how many of us this Easter morning maybe feel a bit like these women, feel a bit like we're in darkness or that we're in sorrow. We have mixed emotions about what's going on in our lives. I think it's so helpful for us to remember that the resurrection is the proclamation that Jesus is risen and alive and he's still meeting people, ordinary people like you and me, as we are on the road dealing with our own mixed emotions and seeking to live as best as we can live, Jesus still shows up in the midst of our lives and tells us, you don't need to be afraid anymore. I don't know about you, but I need to hear that this morning, that in the, in the mess and muddle of my own life, Jesus is still available and in inviting me to be welcomed into his presence and inviting me into his salvation and into his forgiveness and into his grace. And in a broader sense, of course, Jesus has shown up into the mess and muddle of our whole world. In the midst of our own sin and brokenness and guilt, Jesus has shown up and says, Greetings, don't be afraid. Now everything is changed. Look at verse 10. Of course, their response is they take hold of his feet and worship him. And it's important for two reasons that they do this. The first is they're worshiping Jesus. And Jesus accepts their worship, right? The, The women are, these are devout Jews worshiping a human person. That doesn't happen overnight. They all know that God is one, that God is Yahweh. He's, he's, he's the God that descends on Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and he's holy and we can't look at his face and yet here they are they've come to realize jesus is yahweh among them the women get it right this is emmanuel this is god himself with them he's not just a good teacher he's divine he's not just their friend but he's also their lord and savior and so they worship a person and that's remarkable when you think that they are Jews, they're worshiping a person. We know we don't worship a person, but this person's more than just a person. This is God with us. But the second thing they do, and of course the fact that Jesus accepts the worship is a big deal. He's a devout Jew too. He knows who he is. But the second thing is that they embrace his physical body. And in in much of our world, if you were to look at uh, some of the more sort of left-wing liberal theology that comes out nowadays, um, you'll hear the resurrection talked about as more of a spiritual enlightenment, you know, that uh, we can be resurrected as we use our minds to kind of overcome our own sinfulness and this sort of thing. But this account flies in the face of that, trying to downplay the resurrection into something else. It's so clear here that this is meant to be a tangible reality, That Jesus' resurrection isn't just a metaphor for how good triumphs over evil or how, you know, God did a nice thing for Jesus. It's so nice that God brought him back to life. How pleasant for Jesus, right? No, this means that death itself has ended and God has inaugurated his new kingdom. It's the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes and, and prophetic words coming to pass in Jesus. 
And by grabbing his own feet, of course, he has a physical body. And this is God's stamp of approval once again of the body, of what he's called good way back in Genesis, that the body is not just merely disposable, but that the body itself will be transformed and redeemed just as Jesus's was. Isaiah 26 points to this hope. It says, those who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. Looking forward to resurrection. And so here at the resurrection, God is setting free his physical creation from the bondage to sin and to corruption. Jesus has a real corporeal physical body, right? And that gives shape to our own hope. When the, when the biblical authors say we too will be resurrected, now we have some language to understand what that means. Death to the early Christian was the real enemy because it's the, it's the tragedy of ending the spirit and body union, the hybrid of being a human, and separating those two and the, the horror of that. It's the ending of the good God-given bodily life. But here we're being told, no, we're destined for resurrection of re-embodied life with Christ again, newly embodied. And that same hope of redemption and transformation, says Paul in Romans 8, extends to the whole of creation. Jesus is bringing his life and his salvation, not just to us as whole people, not just to my soul, but to my whole person, but also to his whole creation. This is the Jesus who stands before the women and offers his peace. This is the Jesus who meets us in our fear. This is the Jesus who reaffirms our physical world and our bodies, but also the God who is present with us and accepts our worship. And in light of that, then, we need to ask, well, how do I respond to Jesus? What do I do if this is all true? What do I do with that? And we get two responses. In verses 11 to 15, we get the response of the guards and the council and the the poor guards, right? They have to accept bribe money to try and spread a false story. It's poor guys. <laughs> you get the report of the guard as one, as one response, or you get the Great Commission as the other response. Either you have to ignore this and pretend it's not real, or it's true and it changes everything. There isn't really a middle ground. Either it's all true, or we have to pretend it's not real. And so we've got the leaders in verses 11 to 15 trying to, trying to cover it up. We've got the disciples in 16 to 20 who come to worship the risen king and receive from him new life and a new mission to extend his grace and his life and his hope to the world. I think it's interesting that even the disciples who come up the mountain in verse 17, they come to worship, but some are still doubting. Some aren't sure. And I think it's, it's, there's almost a... I think in some ways that's sad that they don't know, but I think in some ways it's like saying it's all right. Sometimes it takes time to come to grips with who Jesus is. And some people are still on the road to figuring that out. Sometimes, sometimes that's hard to sort out in our minds and in our hearts, but God won't let go of you, even if you're not quite sure what you think of him. And in the end, those that do respond to Jesus, instead of trying to cover it up, those that say, yes, it's true, and I want to follow him, of course, are given that call, the Great Commission, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, to pass on the faith. 
knowing, of course, Jesus' last words, I'm with you always, knowing that Jesus is not distant as they do this, as we do this, but that he is with us still, meeting us on the road, saying, don't be afraid, even as we go out in mission. And he's with us at such a time as this, even to the end of the age when he comes again. So friends, this Resurrection Sunday, I want to just encourage us that we can rest in the assurance that Jesus is alive and well today. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's enthroned. But he's also present here today on the road of life, able to be encountered just like the women meet him on the road, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus meet him along the way. And he's present today even as we come with a mixture of joy and fear and whatever else you might be feeling in your own life. He's present here today to speak his hope and his life and his transformation. Even as we seek as best as we can, maybe not always well, but as best as we can to live out the Great Commission in our own city. And so my heart for us this morning, even as we head to this table to celebrate his death and resurrection is that we would feel that same great joy that the women felt as they were on the road on that Easter morning many years ago. They had an encounter with the risen Lord. And my heart and prayer for each of you is that you would have an encounter with the risen Lord today. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you do meet us on the road in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our marriages and our work and our school and all of the, all of the stuff that happens in our lives. God, you're still there. You still say, hello. You show up in the midst of it. And I just pray today, Lord, as we turn our hearts upon you, as we focus upon you, as we celebrate your resurrection this morning as we come to this table, Lord, that we would have a fresh encounter with you, that we would meet the risen Lord upon the road of our own lives. Jesus, we open our hearts today and we just say, God, would you speak? Speak to us as we come to this table. Speak to us on this road of life. Encourage us, Lord. We need to hear the truth from you. We need to hear again the words of life that you bring us. And Lord, thank you for the promise that you are with us always. In whatever comes in our lives, you are with us. You are not far from us. Jesus, as we come to this table, we pray that you would uh, speak, Lord. Bless your people. We ask these things in your name. Amen.